0: Hockey Nation. Ed Williams here for the Hockey Hoops Pod this week. Uh, by my lonesome, post-Christmas, no Billy Ray, no Mike McDaniel. Uh, everyone's spending time with their families, So I wanted to jump on and give a quick update, talk through the Grambling State game, talk through the Boston College game, uh, and then give an update on the women's team as well. But first, I wanted to say that this podcast is brought to you by Wedgwood Marketing. Wedgwood is a proud, Hockey-owned digital marketing agency based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Their results-driven starting lineup of marketing services, including SEO, Google, and Facebook ads, are the key play for growing your business in this digital world. Get your free marketing audit today at WedgwoodMarketing.com. So obviously, we have there's been two games played by the men's team since the last time me and Mike recorded. Um, going into that game, Virginia Tech had one more non-conference game against Grambling State, and we were sitting there with one loss at the time, at ten and one. Uh, Since then, we have won one game and lost one game, as everybody knows. Uh, So I'm just going to talk about the Grambling game really quick because there wasn't a whole lot to talk about in that game, which is what you like to see when, you know, an inferior opponent comes into Castle Coliseum. The Hokies were able to take care of business and knock off Grambling 74 to 48. Um, Overall, it might have been the best game of the year for Virginia Tech. I thought the Hokies were really good on both ends of the floor, forced 19 turnovers from Grambling, um, which – You know, that stat alone is probably the deciding factor throughout the rest of this game and why the Hokies were able to win by such a large margin. Um, So forcing those 19 turnovers was huge for Virginia Tech. They played really good defense throughout against a grambling team who had already given some notable Power 5 teams a hard time throughout the year. So they have a lot of athleticism. I think that grambling team will have a good year in their conference, but Virginia Tech was just way too much in in that game. Uh, As usual, Sean Padula was phenomenal. He had 21 points. Six and five rebounds and assists, respectfully. Um, Sean Badula has been really, really good this year, and we'll continue to need him to be good throughout the rest of the season. But that was kind of just another day in the office for Sean, uh, playing really big minutes against scrambling and was, was phenomenal throughout. And Virginia Tech shot the ball better than they had been shooting it up until this point. You know, coming into the year, we knew Virginia Tech would be a very good shooting team, um, but they have somewhat underperformed in the three point shooting category up until that Grambling State game where they were able to come out and shoot 40% from three. Uh, It was just a very comfortable game overall for the Hokies from start to finish, able to do the things that they needed to do in order to get that win. So we'll move on from Grambling State because, thankfully, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about there. Things went kind of as planned. Then Virginia Tech goes up to Chestnut Hill to play Boston College in the second ACC game of the year, but really the true start to conference play. Uh, Mike Young has yet to beat Boston College. We knew that going into the game. Mike Young talked about it a little bit in the Grambling um, post-game press conference, how he had not beaten Boston College before at Virginia Tech. And unfortunately, that streak has continued as the Hokies go up and lose in overtime by five to Boston College in a really, really frustrating game. Um, It was frustrating for a lot of reasons. So first, let's talk about why Virginia Tech was not able to be successful in Chestnut Hill. To me, the thing that jumped out throughout the entire game was the physicality from Boston College, from guards down to forwards. Everybody was very physical on that Boston College team, and it gave the Hokies huge troubles. Uh, It was something we hadn't really seen throughout the year. I did think the officiating was a little bit, I don't want to say questionable, but they really did let the guys play, and that was proved to be to the advantage of Boston College, not Virginia Tech. So Virginia Tech played a pretty good first half. Went into halftime, winning that game. I thought overall uh, things were going well. You know, they weren't – the Hokies weren't running away with it by any means, obviously, but I thought they played a decent first half. And then in the second half, Boston College just came out and punched Virginia Tech right in the mouth. Uh, That first five minutes of the second half, Virginia Tech really struggled to get anything going on offense. It was mostly just isolation plays from Mutz and Padula. Virginia Tech turned the ball over a ton in this game, and I'll talk about that more in a second. But Boston College – clearly came out in that second half with a, and made a concerted effort to be very physical with Virginia Tech, particularly physical with Virginia Tech's guards, not allowing the Hokies to get into any sort of um, offensive set or any offensive rhythm, bumping people off screens, knocking guys off balance um, all within the rules of the game as it was called that night. So Virginia Tech struggled mightily with the Boston college physicality. And I think that led to the more other problems that Virginia Tech had that I'll get to in a second here, but Boston College was able to win the second half, and they won overtime. So Virginia Tech did a good job to put that game into overtime, um, ran some good sets down the stretch. Sean Padula kicked, kicked out a three to uh, Greg Basile to put it into overtime. And then in overtime, Virginia Tech was outscored again. So the second half and overtime, Boston College won both of those periods and as a result won the game by five. Huge discrepancy here in the turnover category uh virginia tech turned the ball over 15 times boston college only turned it over nine that's a that six six turnover difference is really really big and a tight game on the road in the acc so uh, like i talked about with the physicality i think the physicality led directly to those turnovers um and it's something that the hokies are going to have to clean up moving forward because boston college is not going to be the most physical team we play in the acc schedule um but there was something that virginia tech clearly struggled with and now it's on film so Other teams in the conference are going to see, you know, if you can get away with a hand check here or bumping a guy off a screen there, it really disrupts the flow of Virginia Tech's offense. And I'm sure it's something that the staff has worked on over the span of this long Christmas break. Um, So the 19 to five turnover discrepancy was really problematic. And then another, obviously very problematic thing was Makai Ashton Langford. Uh, Ashton Langford finished with 21 for Boston college. He's a guy who's been, he's played a lot of college basketball Quite frankly, I said to myself during the game, I'm surprised that Ashton Langford's still in Boston College in the era of NIL because he's a very good guard that can play at most programs in the country. So Ashton Langford was a handful for uh, Virginia Tech. We did not do a very good job defending him at all. Uh, He was huge on the stretch, hit what was ultimately, you know, the difference maker three-pointer in overtime. So 21 from a veteran guard for Boston College was able to, you know, lift them to a really big win for them. Uh, I think – the combination of Sean Padula, Darius Maddox, Hunter Couture needed to do a better job on Ashton Lankford in that one. And you know, we've seen before with Virginia Tech sports, but also definitely just the basketball team as well, uh, where one man can go out and carry a team to victory. Now, usually it's a guy you've never heard of, but in this instance, it was a guy you we had heard of. Everyone knew who he was going into the game, and he did exactly what you'd expect and got Boston College that win. And then some positives from Virginia Tech was that Padula and Mutz both were really good offensively in spurts. They both finished with 18 points. Again, the problem being they each finished with five and four turnovers. So nine of Virginia Tech's 15 turnovers came from their two primary ball handlers in Mutz and Padula. Now, I know Tech fans probably don't think of Mutz as one of our primary ball handlers just due to the nature of the position he plays. But he very much is. Um, Justin Mutz brings the ball up a lot. Justin Mutz initiates a lot of our offensive sets. And I thought Boston College did a really good job of making life really difficult for Sean Padula and Justin Mutz. And you see that in the nine combined turnovers for the two primary ball handlers. So something that I'm sure that they'll clean up. Um, both guys had, it, coming into this game throughout the year, done a really good job of cutting their turnovers down. It was a problem at times for Mutz last year. It, so far this year, he had been doing a really good job of limiting those turnovers. And Sean Padula, in general, all season had been phenomenal at not turning the ball over. It's just the turnover ratio was something that I know Mike Young was uh, very high on. And, you know, it's one of those nights where the offensive rhythm wasn't there for the Hokies. And as a result, you see high turnover numbers. So the offensive rhythm wasn't there. And why wasn't it there? I believe it wasn't there due to the physicality of Boston College leading to turnovers. But that also leads to bad shots. And when you take bad shots, you're going to miss them. And Virginia Tech did uh, against Boston College, shooting 40% from the field, 25% from three. I know on Twitter and in the Twitter space after the game, a common talking point for fans was the amount of missed layups that the Hokies had, both from guards getting to the rim downhill and from bigs just missing tap-ins. You see that in that 40% uh, from the field number, but then also shot terribly from three and all those things tie in together. If you're if you're turning the ball over, you're not getting into a good rhythm offensively. You're not going to get clean looks that you need to knock down three-pointers. And Virginia Tech shot the ball really poorly uh, again against Boston College, which you know, they shot really well against Grambling when everything was going really well. Um, and I, I do think that a problem in the past that fans have like to talk about is The idea that, you know, if a Mike Young team or a Mike Young offense isn't shooting well, the offense can't work and you will lose games. I don't know that that's necessarily true. And I would point to the fact that we were able to get clean looks in the paint and around the rim, and we were just missing them. So that's going to happen some nights. I don't think it was, you know, indicative of, you know, if we can't make threes, we can't win games. I think in general, we just couldn't make anything in this one. Um, And that is due to the physicality of Boston College and just an overall poor shooting night and a poor offensive night, um, you know. Currently, Virginia Tech. I think after the game, people thought that this was going to be some sort of demoralizing loss. I felt the same way. You know, the night of the game when the game ended, I I went to bed pretty upset that night. Um, but then in the morning, as I like you know looked into things and rewatched parts of the game, I didn't feel quite as bad about it. Uh, I think Boston College and the ACC in general. There's going to be parts of the year where um, bad teams jump up and bite one of the good teams. I think it's, there's just a lot of parity in the conference this year. Um, and, you know, the teams like North Carolina, you know, who Virginia Tech has already beaten, they'll, they'll get beat by, you know, a, a Boston College here or there or a Clemson here or there. It's going to happen. Um, so I don't feel like this was a overall demoralizing loss for your season or your resume. Virginia Tech had done a really good job up until this point of not having any of those bad losses. So I think if the Boston College Eagles can have a decent season and that ends as a Q, uh, Q3 loss, I believe it would be probably the target range we could get that in, uh, that wouldn't crush Virginia Tech's resume. And that shows currently, even uh, today you know, as we sit here right after Christmas, uh, Virginia Tech's 27th in the net, 29th in Kempom, and 11-2 and two overall. So all those numbers indicate that this is a team that fans should still be really excited about moving forward, and I think we will be and we'll see a much more sound offensive performance in the as we get further and further into ACC play, uh, not playing teams against Wake you know, on New Year's Eve. So uh, looking ahead, I kind of want to talk about a few different topics here. So the first thing that we've seen and we've talked about it, I know Mike and I have talked about it on here a few times, is the need for more consistent scoring options. Padula and Mutz have been great. Those two have carried the team offensively for the most part and been the most consistent players on that end of the floor. Uh, But we need desperately a Hunter Couture, a Rodney Rice, a Darius Maddox, maybe even an MJ Collins to add a little bit more offensively to take some of the heat off of Sean Padula. Sean Padula has been really good and played an insane amount of minutes all year long. But the more he has to do that, the more susceptible to one injury to being flat out tired and not playing well as a result. So they need to find a way to get another ball handler, um, the ability to create their own shot, and take a little bit of that offensive pressure off of Padula in particular. Uh, just some more consistent scoring options out of Maddox, Collins, and then hopefully here soon Rodney Rice. The next piece of this is pure speculation. Um, you know, we saw Hunter Kator go out of that game against Boston College with an injury. Um, it, it took a pretty hard fall. Um, on a very physical play again, which is the risk that you run as a referee when you're letting them play, so to speak. The line can sometimes get blurred with what's okay and what's not. I didn't think the play was dirty by any means, but it was a hard, it was a hard foul, and Hunter Couture went down really hard. I don't know the prognosis or what's going on with him or how long we expect him to be out. It's speculating based on the way it looked, I mean, I would hope it was just a really bad bruise, but in the event that it is some sort of fracture and he's going to miss some time, guys like MJ Collins are going to need to play a lot more minutes. And as a result, they're going to have to add, MJ's going to have to add more on the offensive end. And I think he would tell you that right now. He's been primarily a finish around the rim, dunk on you kind of guy. His jump shooting has been uh, a little suspect at times, but I think it's something you see in his high school film. He's more than capable as a shooter and with more minutes and more comfortability, hopefully he slows down on that jump shot and, you know, takes his time and knocks him down because, you know, MJ brings the defensive acumen that Hunter Couture has, and we would be missing if Hunter Couture is out for extended time. So I would feel better about MJ Collins as the Hunter Couture replacement, so to speak, just due to his defensive and rebounding ability. But we need somebody to add that offensive uh, prowess that we've lacked with only Sean Padula being the primary scorer from the guard position. The other guy I want to talk about a little bit is uh, Darius Maddox. I thought he's played better as of late he started knocking down some, some threes, even in that Boston college game, he shot the ball, he shot the ball a lot, which I'm okay with. You know, you see a guy like Darius Maddox who's shooting in his career, we've seen him shoot upwards of 40% uh, from three and from the floor. So I'm okay with a guy like that, taking a lot of shots and um, I guess, shooting your way out of the slump, so to speak. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with his volume of shooting. And I think as he continues to shoot more shots, he'll make more shots. So, I, I was really excited to see Darius Maddox be aggressive in getting his shot, taking open looks, uh, and knocking a few down as well. So hopefully we will see more to come and a step up from Darius Maddox in the event that Hunter Couture is out for some extended amount of time. And then the last of the three guard scoring options that I mentioned at the beginning was Rodney Rice, who we are all anticipating Rodney will be back against Wake Forest after our New Year's Eve um, yeah, you know, we thought he might play in Boston College. He tweeted out the little uh, hourglass emoji, uh, so we thought he was going to play, but he didn't play. And I understand why. From if you're if you're Mike Young, you're looking at that game. You know, while we probably could have used him and won the game if we had him, um, by sitting out that game, it gives him another ten days to you know recover, get more acclimated to the offense, uh, get you know back into game shape, so to speak. So I understand the. With that 10-day break after the Boston College game, I can see why a coaching staff or an athletic training staff would want just to be cautious and give him those 10 more days. And we all anticipate he'll play in the Wake Forest game. I think what he adds is a really, really high-level shooting ability, the ability to um, create plays for others off the dribble, create plays for himself off the dribble. A little bit of what Sean Padula brings to the table, but... Uh, there's been talk that maybe Rodney might even be a better shooter than Padula, which is crazy because Sean is shooting the ball really well. So uh, in the event that Couture's out, it's crucial that Rodney Rice gets up to speed in a hurry and is able to um, bring some of his offensive skill like we see on his high school tape, and hopefully it translates right into the ACC play because we, we're desperately going to need it. Um, so I'm very excited about Rodney Rice. I'm excited about what I've seen from Darius Maddox so far to this point in the season. Uh, I'm very excited about MJ Collins as a player for this year and for the long term. I think MJ is an awesome player, and his role is going to need to expand here as we get into ACC play. Um, so, going into our next game, I've talked about it a couple times already, but Wake Forest on New Year's Eve at noon. Um, I'm really excited to watch that game right before the. You know, it's and New Year's Eve is going to be pretty awesome with the Hokies playing at noon and then the college football playoff games starting shortly thereafter. So, it's going to be a really good sports day. But, Wake Forest is going to come into that game at 9-4. and four. Um, They've had kind of an up-and-down season so far. They have two really good wins in my eyes, a win over Duke and a win over Wisconsin. Those are two, obviously, uh, talented programs. But then they also have losses, to uh, some notable losses, I should say. LSU, Clemson, and Rutgers, um, all, you know, clearly power five teams that have the same kind of athletes Virginia Tech and Wake would have, uh, just kind of trying to compare like-minded rosters and – You know, they're 2-3 and in those kind of Power 5 games. But they have a guard in Tyree Appleby who's averaging 18-5. and My question with Hunter Couture potentially being out of that game is, who guards Tyree Appleby? Is it Sean Padula? Uh, Would it be MJ Collins? We'll see. But slowing down Appleby is going to be huge in keeping Virginia Tech in this game and slowing down the Wake Forest offensive attack because it's a very dynamic senior guard uh, who's putting on quite a show so far early in the season. Um, I looked. I'm, I personally am of the opinion that MJ Collins would probably have to guard Tyree Appleby, but if Sean Padula if, – if Rodney Rice is playing and you can rest Sean Padula a little bit more, that allows Sean to exert more energy in the defensive end and guard his matchup, which I would assume naturally just at 6-1 versus 6-1 would be Tyree Appleby. So we'll see how it goes defensively. That's something I'm going to keep an eye on early in that game is who's guarding Appleby, um, but – you know, slowing him down would be crucial in Virginia Tech having success in this game uh, against, you know, my, for Mike Young, he's against Steve Forbes and a coach who he knows all too well from their time in the SOCON together. Uh, they're both very familiar with each other. So no one's gonna, there's going to be no surprises schematically for either team. Um, really quick as we wrap up, I plan to record the day of the Wake Forest game. So as soon as that ends, I'm going to record and get that posted as well. i um, heading into you know, New Year's week. Um, I do want to talk about the women's team really quick. They are continuing to play really good ball. They had a really tough loss to uh, the number five ranked at the time, Notre Dame team in Castle, uh, where the women were, the uh, Hokie women were just outscored in the se- in the fourth quarter. I wanted to say second half, but the women's, women's uh, basketball plays quarters, not halves. I don't know why NCAA does this, but in the fourth quarter, the women's team was outscored 23 to nine. Just kind of ran out of gas. They played a really good game to that point. And then Notre Dame was able to just pull away in that fourth quarter and, you know, knock off Virginia Tech and give them their first loss of the year. But then Virginia Tech did a really good job and bounced back and went down and beat high point by 20. So the women are currently ranked seventh in the country. They have Clemson. I'm recording this on the 27th. They'll play Clemson on the 29th. And then right after that, on New Year's Day, they'll play number 13, North Carolina, and what should be a really good matchup. Uh, I, I guess it will be number seven versus number 13 because we are the week of that game now what I'm talking so uh, the women's team continues to roll they've got a big one coming up I, I think the men this Wake force game is really big for them uh, after getting punched in the mouth you go into a long break you have to kind of sit there with that sour taste in your mouth for a while uh, I, I look for them to come out and play a much more crisp offensive game um, you know really run their stuff and run it well I think that's dealing with the physicality that I think Wake Forest will probably throw at us after watching the Boston College game. I'm sure the staff has emphasized that over the long break. Um, we'll see what happens with Hunter Couture. Hopefully all is well there, uh, and he's not out for an extended period of time. And and the Rodney Rice debut seems to finally be here. So uh, lots to look forward to with both programs moving forward as we enter the new year. Um, it should be an awesome, awesome remainder of the season for both teams. And hopefully next week I'm not doing this by myself. So, with that being said, Merry Christmas to everybody, Happy New Year, and Go Hokies!
1: It's time to wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand by I saw you dance like you want to in my head all that she said is Oh, I notice what you what you're thinking